Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Padres Social Hour. We'll do our best. That's all I can promise you is uh, we'll do our best. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today, including, of course, the baseball uh, situation of present, the state of baseball in 2020. Uh, we will talk about other stuff, though, including a look back at the Padres 2020 draft, which was last week. The uh, director of amateur scouting for the Padres, Mark Connor, will join us coming up in a bit. And he will provide us little kind of like snippet uh, scouting reports of every guy that the Padres drafted a week ago. So if you want a distraction from the reality of baseball and a little bit of a thought about the future, uh, Mark will be able to supply that for you. Um, before we bring in Randy Jones and uh, Brady Phelps, who are my co-hosts tonight, kind of want to run down where we're at. Um, I realize, you know, probably most people watching are not following every single tweet, every single letter, every single leak, every single piece of information that is sort of flying back and forth uh, between the Major League Baseball Players Association and the league itself. So I'm going to do my best, good luck to me, to synopsize sort of where we're at and not necessarily how we got here, but sort of like what's going on. And and I think the best place to start awkwardly perhaps is last week with the draft. Rob Manford, the commissioner, uh, was on ESPN prior uh, to the start of the draft. Just kind of an interview, state of the state kind of situation. And, and Rob, I thought, went out on a little bit of a ledge and said, hey, we will have a baseball season 100%. He used that term 100% to say that we will have a baseball season in 2020. And his point, I guess, looking back at it both then and now, is that even if uh, the league and the Players Association could not come to an agreement, he had a right, based on the agreement they had all come to back in March, to impose a season of a certain length. Um, and so that was going to be the worst case scenario. Basically, what he was saying was that we will have this shortened whether it was 48 games or 50 or 52, something along those lines, perhaps we'll have a short season, um, hundred percent. I'll fill in some more gaps, but today you might've seen uh, he walked that all the way back and said, he no longer thinks there's a 100% chance of a season. So how did we get from there to here in, in less than a week on Saturday, the players association formally rejected MLB's most recent offer. Now, everybody knew they were going to reject that offer. I, I think everybody knew it. The public knew it. I would imagine the league knew it because the players have drawn a line in the sand and saying, hey, because the agreement we came to back in March, we are not going to accept less than our full prorated salaries, i.e. if we play 81 games, you pay us for 81 games, not 162, but for 81. If we play 50 games, you play us for 50, pay us for 50. The owners all along have kind of been saying, hey, we're not going to make much money this year. We're going to lose money this year because there's going to be no fans for the most part, presumably. So we want you to take a further reduction in pay. Does it work this way? Does it work that way? Does it work this way? It obviously hasn't worked yet. Um, so that evening, Saturday evening, the Players Association put out a statement, which was basically like, hey, go ahead, put your season out there, what you want to do. You can do your 50 game thing. We want our prorated pay. We'll get it if you do it that way. Tell us when and where to show up and uh, let us know the plan by end of business Monday today. So that was kind of Saturday. They would exchange some tense letters, and uh, we sort of figured out, all right, I guess we're going to know something on Monday. So the owners uh, reportedly apparently got together on their call today to sort of figure out their next steps, and that's where we pick up the story. Uh, Bob Nightingale tweeting this morning uh, that the conference call with owners had ended. The two sides 
still have to negotiate safety health protocols before determination is made on the length of the season. So that was this morning. And I'm like, okay, hey, that's a reasonable next step. I kind of like where we're at. Let's keep the ball rolling, baby. Let's see what we can come up with. Uh, But then the AP reporting earlier this afternoon, uh, MLB tells the union it will not start a season unless players waive their claims that MLB violated uh, the March agreement. And again, I know we're kind of like really deep into the sort of uh, details of the whole thing, but there would have been a report leaking out uh, that if MLB then did what they thought they could do, which is say, hey, here's a 50-game season, that the players were going to file a grievance, and MLB saying, hey, whoa, whoa, we're not going to do this if you don't have a grievance. And um, that wasn't great either. That led the Players Association to release this statement, um, and we'll kind of you know take it from there. We'll get back to AC in a second. I thought he had something there. Here's the statement from the Players Association. Um, all you need to know, I guess, is that the first three words of the statement are, uh, players are disgusted. Anytime you, you have a statement that begins like that, probably not a great thing. You, you can go to Twitter and read the whole thing. It's all over the, the news and everything. I don't, I don't want to read the full paragraph, uh, right now because I want to get to other stuff and get to Randy and get to Brady. Um, but basically, uh, Tony Clark and the players association, not happy, um, with all of that. So you would figure this is a pretty, uh, negative situation, uh, a pretty sad situation, and you would be absolutely right. It's a bad day for baseball. This is a bad situation for baseball. Uh, Manfred himself has said that. This is a disaster for baseball. His word, Rob Manfred's word today, not mine. Uh, everything that's going on is a disaster. And he is, of course, absolutely right. Coming out of this, I suppose, the next thing we're trying to figure out is, will there be a season in 2020? And I think it's very easy to look at everything that took place today and say, well, of course not. Like they've got no chance now to be able to wedge something in here in these next couple of months. I I don't know that that's necessarily the case, though. So if you're looking for any kind of silver lining or piece of good news, we'll go back to that Kevin AC report now. Kevin kind of breaking down a lot of what's been bouncing back and forth. um, And and he wrote today um, that the owners intend to continue to negotiate toward a settlement. Um, So that's good. And that kind of led him and some other people to say, perhaps MLB saying what they said today was more of a stall tactic than anything else. This is still an ongoing negotiation. It is an ugly one. It is a public one. It is a worst case scenario one. But guys, and and excuse me for talking so long, uh, Randy and Brady, I I think the main takeaway from today, even with all the loud noises, even with all the anger, even with all the disruption is that they are still continuing to talk. It's a little bit too simple to say, all right, we're all done. And I, I think that's what a lot of people were feeling earlier in the day. But Randy, look, obviously this ain't great by any stretch of the imagination. No, and it's never going to be simple, Jesse. You know, and I knew it would be complicated, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the revenues and everywhere else. There's underlying factors about the new negotiations for 2021, you know, and overall. uh, I've been through, what, four of them, you know, on strikes and things. And, and you know, the owners and players. And when it gets to this scenario, and you get it into these, you know, behind the door, you know, meetings. It's, you know, they never agree. Um, you know, it's, it's miraculous that they finally do come to an agreement. And I think there's still something there from both of these sides. But, you know, right now it's just getting ugly. Uh, and, you know, pick a side. I mean, you, who's the winner? I mean, there's no winner in this scenario right now. I know who the biggest loser is. It's a fan. And, and right now that's a very simple to say. Randy, I know I'm going to disagree on a lot of things in the show. Is my voice all crazy right now, or can you hear me okay? Yeah, a little Very bizarre. I don't know. Am I back to normal now? Yeah. That was a little weird. I'm a little weird, so that works out. 
Um, I'm going to disagree with you plenty today, but uh, right now you're right. Fans are, of course, the big losers in this scenario. Um, I'm actually a little bit angry at Ron Manfred, not only for, uh, well, there's a myriad of reasons, but he took my word disaster and he took it and used it as his own word because this is an absolute disaster for baseball, uh, for the players, for fans, for owners. Uh, there's no, there's no way to cut it. Nobody looks good in this. Even that statement by Tony Clark and the Players Association, um, you know, using, saying that MLB is threatening that the owners are threatening uh, the players. It just, it looks, it's just a terrible look on every front. And um, fans are put in a position now. We're, what are we? Are we supposed to choose sides? Like you said, Randy. Like I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's terrible. I hate it. Um, we want to see baseball. We, we had thought uh, the biggest issue as we started you know up Padres social hour again you know the biggest concern was okay is there going to be baseball the first thing that the most important thing is everyone's health and safety right and and can we do this and we figured that that would be you know remember when we were Randy remember when we were fighting about uh oh are players going to be able to spit on the field or not like take me back to when we were fighting about spitting on the field instead of this terrible terrible negotiation I mean Manfred has I don't know how he survives, honestly, this season as the commissioner. I mean, this is a he's I in a bad way, and there's no leadership. There's no leadership. I, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. You know, as well, a commissioner, I, I uh, Bowie Cohen, and I, I go back as long as you want to, Brady. You know, before he before he even knew who the commissioner was. You know, and and what he had to do, he had to make some tough decisions that he did at that point in time, and continued baseball. And they put him under suspect, but I think he did the right things. And 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 Manfred, you know, he really hadn't stepped up as a commissioner or made any decisions, uh, in my opinion. And you have to, in, in that, at that point, in fact, you know, and you can't guarantee a season now. All of us said, well, let's vacillate because you know the two two sides can't get together. You know, well, did you hear about the Titanic? It sank. Jeez. <laughs> You know, these two, these two sides haven't got together in, in 40 years, to be honest with you. Yeah, here, a couple here. of, you know, contracts have been signed, but no. I mean, as far as agreement, the, these two are so far apart, and they always will be. So, I mean, I there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. Here, here would be my main question, and, I mean, I'm asking it to the fans who are watching. I'm asking it to you guys. I'm asking it rhetorically everything. If, let's say, magically in the next 30 minutes, there was a deal reached for a season, let's call it 65 games, don't even care about the economic aspect of it for this conversation. As a fan, would you be like, all right, cool, we got baseball, or is the damage done? Or are you like, no, man, forget these guys? And, and I hope that's the question uh, that the people in the leadership positions are asking themselves, because enough of them were around in 1994 uh, to remember the damage that was done to this sport uh, years and years from an owner standpoint of lost revenue, from a player standpoint of depressed salaries, from a fan standpoint of just a lack of interest. It was not a good time for baseball coming out of that work stoppage. And, you know, I, I would hope everybody's thinking about that somewhere, not all the way in the back of their mind, but but somewhere forward, because, you know, on top of everything else that's going on in the world. And let's not forget that, because that stuff still matters and that stuff is still part of this equation. Um, you know, they, they are doing damage that could be lasting. I don't know. And again, that's why I, I pose that question. But, Brady, you're, you're the fan here. You don't make your living in this game uh, the way Randy did and does and the way I do. If they were to figure this out tonight, would you be the same fan in 2020 as you were in 2019? You know, it's a great question, and it's an emotional one, to be honest. As a fan, I feel 
like I've all I've wanted and all I've yearned for is baseball to come back um, so that we can have some just some escape from, uh, you know, the craziness in our world right now. Um, the COVID, the racism, um, everything that is happening in our world. It's 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 been a pretty terrible year. And and so to have baseball to cling to and to embrace and to cheer for. I think that fans actually would be willing to forgive all of this madness and chaos and negotiation with, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, dirty laundry that has been aired out in the public and that's not, that's not good negotiating. That's not good leadership. Um, and, and I feel that unfortunately people feel the need to do that on both sides as leverage to create leverage against the other, the other side. And I do think that if, if baseball were to come back, um, that fans would find a way to forgive all the madness that led to this point, all the frustration, all the sadness, um, and because they want to see something, right? And and I, I hope, like you said, Jess, my hope is that Major League Baseball is able to take a step back for a second. Yeah, they're gonna, of course, they're gonna lose money in 2020, but like, what kind of lasting damage are you doing going forward into the future? Like, America is a, we're a football country, right? And so, how do we take you know, as far as just the numbers game, yeah, you could say baseball is America's pastime, and I wholly, I mean, look behind me, I agree with that. But, but when it right now, this moment, they have an opportunity to step up because you know they can start this league if they could get out of their own way, and if they can figure out a way to do that and capture the hearts of all Americans, guys who normally maybe would be spending more of their time watching basketball or football, and right now baseball can be at the forefront and and really, I think, elevate the fan base and instead they're just dwindling it down and it's 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 crushing to watch so i hope they can figure that out and and from a fan's perspective i do think that we as fans collectively will figure out a way to forgive the players the owners and everyone in the middle uh that has made this a thing um so that we can just watch our beloved players and our beloved teams i hope so i i hope you're right and uh i, I yeah, am, am i supposed to say something no, you don't have to. Well, I mean, you disagree with everything I said, Randy. I, mean, I, well, I will not disagree. One, you know, I 100% agree. I think the fans would embrace this, you know, if baseball came back. If you can put a deal together at the last second for 65 games, whatever it might be, I think the fans will embrace that. We need that as a community. And I've said that for the last two months, gentlemen, doing this show with you. We need baseball back. Whether they want to argue and bicker and, and we can second guess both sides of this of this negotiation all you'll want to. But I think the healthy thing we could do is just get baseball back on the air, watch some baseball. Uh, it's, it's a point of normalcy, which we haven't had. Like you said, Brady, we haven't had much normalcy in 2020. And yeah. so, you know, if we can get back to a little bit of normalcy, let's, let's just step in the right direction and whatever yeah. might happen. And I just, I just can't believe even 65 games. And if, I, if I'm one of these younger players, and I'm going to get compensation for 65 games. Uh, isn't that better than nothing? I, sorry, I use a little common sense. I just think that right now, I mean, under this scenario, I mean, you got to evaluate everything. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of us, you know, we look at, at, at baseball as a game. Uh, we look at it as a pastime. We look at it as entertainment. It is frankly and fairly at the end of the day, a huge business, a $10 billion a year industry. And these are the things that happen in business. Um, just normally when it's, you know, company X 
fighting with their employees or trying to work out, you know, details of something in an unprecedented time. Normally it's not front page news because it's not something most people are interested in. That puts sports in a little bit of a unique position as compared to, you know, a company making widgets or anything like that. Um, but like, you know, we all know it, it's a business. It has been rancorous. Uh, it has been ugly. It has been public. I don't think anybody uh, looks at that as ideal. Again, Rob Manford using the word disaster to describe the, the state of things right now. Um, but there is still time to, to work something out and to make this work. And Brady, you brought up the health and safety stuff. You know, it doesn't seem like that long ago we were, you know, laughing and arguing about whether guys would be allowed to take showers after games and, and that kind of stuff, like you said. But um, that's that's still a thing that needs to be figured out. And I, I bring it up once or twice a week is like, hey, don't sleep on the health and safety stuff. And, and reports have been coming pretty fast and furious now. Uh, we're finding out guys who have tested positive uh, in the NFL. There's been reports that a major league pitching coach has tested positive. A couple of players, maybe. We don't know who, and that's fine. We don't need to. Um, but remember, this is all coming around even before guys get back. Uh, in their facilities. The University of Houston football players, a, a handful of guys tested positive. So like this is a, a thing we're still going to have to deal with from a health and safety standpoint moving forward, even if they can figure out uh, the economics. So point being, I guess it is a very complicated, very messy, very unprecedented situation. Not easy to figure out. Um, for me, it just would have been great had like you can be rancorous, you can be upset, you can be angry. Do it behind closed doors, you know, if possible. I mean, that's just kind of the way I look at it. I think you're doing possibly at least, you know, lasting damage to the sport by having this kind of uh, outward back and forth uh, in the public. And I know that's part of negotiating and, and everything like that. Maybe I'm naive, but uh, it's not great for anybody. That's for sure. So that's kind of um, where we're at. Obviously, more stuff could happen in the next little bit. We'll kind of keep track of it and uh, see where we go from there. Um, but things are starting to move forward in other ways. This was kind of a piece of news that got brushed under the carpet today because of everything else that was going on. Um, but scouts, who, of course, have not had much to do. We talked about this a lot when we came to the draft last week. But um, scouts can now go back out there and start working amateur events, which are starting to get going. The Perfect Game National uh, begins the summer showcase circuit uh, for next year's draft prospects on Wednesday in Birmingham. Uh, I guess they have a rule maximum of three scouts per club per event. Uh, but nonetheless, hey, how about that, guys? Uh, Brady, like a little bit of normalcy somewhere out there. Yeah, I guess for for these scouts, um, it's not going to take long for them to figure out where they are in the hierarchy of of scouts within the organization. If you can only send three guys out to an event, like who are the top three scouts? Like we weren't sure. There's five of us that are all really good. Well, if you got chosen to go to the perfects game, you're in the top three. Uh, it is nice to have a little bit of normalcy. Um, I think it'll be good for um, you know baseball organizations to be able to get some eyes on some young talent and. Um, you know, hopefully it's a small glimmer of hope toward, you know, things getting back toward normal. Anytime that you can get baseball back and, and watch it. And of course, these scouts, they know who the players are. And, you know, there's always that surprise out there. And we we're always looking for that, you know, that one gym out there that maybe got unnoticed here and there, you know, and that's what it's all about, guys. And, and uh, but just to get it back and giving these guys the, uh, continue to chase the dream, give them some hope, uh, you know, that, that there's still going to be baseball. We can move on. And, uh, you know, I, I'm all for it. Anything we can do to, you know, enhance the game, I, we, we've got to do it. Pretty wild. You know, ready for next year's draft. And, and we'll recap the Padre draft in just a moment. We'll give you a list of everybody uh, the Padres selected last week before we do anything else. Uh, but we talked about that last week, just how interesting and different of a year it was 
that, you know, it's like these guys didn't have senior seasons, the high school kids, you know, the college kids might've played a handful of games uh, before the draft and, and the scouting work that had to go into 2020 is, uh, is just so different. So we'll, we'll focus on the draft now for a little bit. The, that was here in 2020, give you a rundown of uh, the Padres selections in this draft. And, you know, we talked about it last week, Robert Hassel, the third, uh, the top pick, uh, an outfielder out of Independence High School in Tennessee, eighth overall, uh, 34th overall, Justin Lang, a right-hander from Lano High School in uh, Texas, outside of San Antonio. Owen Casey, the outfielder in the second uh, round from Ontario, a high school kid. Finally, a college player in the third round for the Padres, Cole Wilcox at the University of Georgia. He's a guy that a lot of the Baseball America-type uh, draft gurus were saying could be the steal of this entire draft, getting him in the third round. Uh, right-hander Levi Thomas, fiery guy at a Troy University in the fourth round. And then how about this name? Uh, fifth round, left-hander uh, from high school in North Carolina, not far from where Mackenzie Gore is from, Jagger Haynes. Brady, I don't care about anything else. Jagger Haynes got one of the best names in the draft this year. That's the name. I predict uh, moves like Jagger being played at Petco Park uh, on repeat every time this kid comes to bat. Oh, now we got a whole a whole list of these. Look at all these names. My goodness. Oh, Blaze Jordan for the Sox. That is a great name, too. What do you see, Randy, when you see that? What's your favorite baseball name that pops up there? Well, number I'm one, yeah, Blaze Jordan I got my attention. That's a pretty good name. And, you know, I just hope he can play, you know. But, I'll, <laughs> you know, I just – and Jagger Haynes, hey, not not bad, you know, whatsoever. But I, I'll let you know that, you know, you, you know how hard these – the countless hours, thousands of hours, these scouts – and the names you're putting, you're, you're looking at right now. I mean, these guys can flat play this game, gentlemen. You don't get drafted in this scenario, especially you know confines of 2020. I mean, these guys can flat ass play. I don't know anything about Blaze Jordan. I don't really care about the Red Sox in any way, shape, or form. But I really hope he makes it to the big leagues. I hope he's fast too. Yeah, exactly. I hope he's fast. If he's like a, a big chunky pitcher, it won't do the same thing for me. <laughs> Unless yeah, he's got, you know, like 104 mile an hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got nothing else to do, unfortunately. We'll get Blaze on the show. Um, let's uh, let's turn it over now to the uh, Padres director of amateur scouting, Mark Connor. Uh, he runs the draft uh, with his staff and A.J. Preller, of course. Uh, just a com- tremendous amount of work that goes into this whole thing. Had a chance to catch up with him uh, late last week, kind of talk about uh, what they did this year as compared to other years, obviously, with the world upside down. Uh, and also he gives us some nice scouting reports on all the guys that the Padres selected. Well, Mark, first of all, congratulations. Uh, how are you feeling in the shadow of the 2020 draft? Uh, I mean, feel, uh, feel good. I mean, feel excited about the work that our group did. I mean, think, uh, you know, it was definitely a challenge uh, for us and the rest of the scouting industry uh, with this five round draft, but I thought our, our our scouts did a really really good job. Our, our front office, our analytics team, uh, to put us in a position to to make some really good picks uh, over the last two days. Obviously, the five round thing was the biggest difference uh, from a normal year, uh, but there's also this virtual aspect of it and people being in different places, not all in one room like usual. Did that turn out to be any big deal at all for you guys, or how was that handled? You know, I mean, uh, being away from each other and doing it virtually, uh, it was it was a little bit. Uh, it was very unique, but it, like, and it was a little bit different uh, in the sense of like it probably wasn't a consistent flow of communication. I think what we decided to do uh, was do a lot of the communication with our group uh, in advance, uh, try to prepare it 
so like a, a little smaller group that was uh, here in Petco, uh, you know, we worked the phones a lot and we were on Zoom with our staff, um, you know, and, and communicated through the day. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was different, but hey, there were no hiccups and we got through it. Speaking of Zoom, uh, in one of my conversations with Robert Hassel III, the first pick that the Padres made, uh, you know, he talked about how comfortable it was and how easy it was to be able to do Zoom stuff pre-draft, uh, you know, some of the interviews and everything like that. So that's obviously been a big part of the, the plan now for a while. Yeah, I mean, like talking to these players, uh, you know, I mean, like we sat down a couple times with with most of these guys and had, uh, you know, multiple conversations on Zoom and, uh, you know, the guys that we picked and, and other guys that we did it that uh, went to other teams, uh, you know, honestly, the kids were very comfortable. I think uh, the first couple, we were a little bit, uh, you know, feeling our way in. But after that, about one or two, uh, I think our group got pretty good at the flow of these things, too. All right. So let's dive into it and kind of go through the six players that the Padres selected in this 2020 draft, beginning with Hassel. Uh, we heard the uh, best pure bat of all the prep players in this draft. What else can you tell us about him? Uh, you know, I mean, Robert Hassel. Well, I mean, first and foremost, like has tremendous baseball makeup. I mean, he is a uh, he was made to play this game. He's, uh, you know, from a, from a very young age, he was a very, very good hitter. Uh, natural swing has uh, very good bat to ball skills. Uh, his body still growing and expanding. Uh, he has a chance to grow into uh, uh, a good amount of power down the road, too. But uh, I mean, this is going to be a hit first type player. Uh, that, that with power coming down the road. Uh, the defense has got a chance to stay in center field. Uh, very instinctual. Uh, not the uh, not the fastest runner on the field, uh, but he's going to be solid average. And honestly, with, with the strength gains, uh, we, we feel that he's going to even get faster down the road. So, uh, you know, very excited for the future that he has with those tools. You mentioned changing bodies. That would certainly be the thing that stands out about the second pick the Padres made. Uh, the right-handed pitcher from Texas, Justin Lang. He looks like almost a completely different person than this time last year. Yeah, I, and that's a testament to his work ethic. Uh, you know, um, he talked about, like, uh, coming out to the area code games and, uh, you know, kind of seeing what, like, what other players were like out there in the country and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, understanding that he needed to, to, to work harder uh, to get where he wanted to be. And uh, one, I think that's uh, something when you self-reflect on that, that says something about the maturity of the player. Uh, and then two, he went out and he did it. I mean, he, he works out seven days a week, uh, talked about working out on Christmas Day, talked about working out on New Year's Day. Um, you know, when, when we called him after we, we selected him and talked to him, he was enjoying the night with his family and he was getting to work the next day. Uh, and that's just the, the time and effort he put in. But like, very excited with that, uh, with that body, that arm action delivery, the strikes, um, the ability to, to sink a fastball, command it, and that feel for the changeup, like there's a lot of upside with him. Third player the Padres selected uh, was uh, back to high school, international, technically, Canada. Uh, Owen Casey, as he joins Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, as uh, notable Canadians in this uh, Padre organization now. Uh, another young left-handed bat. Yeah, Owen, uh, uh, we're excited for, uh, you know, this is a, this was a player that um, our, our staff really, really liked. Uh, the more we got around him as a person, uh, the more we kind of like were drawn to him. And, uh, you know, one, we, we saw him at workouts. We saw him at some games. Uh, we did some Zooms with him. And, you know, you got a six or four left-handed hitter uh, with a body that is going to expand and add strength. Uh, and, and again, like this is another one, like over the last year, like he has put on a lot of substantial muscle just from hard work and dedication. 
uh, to, to getting his body better and stronger. Uh, but like, I mean, this is somebody that's got uh, a chance to have power over hit offensively. Uh, you know, you're looking probably at like an average bat with uh, plus power in the end. That's in a, in a corner outfield position, but uh, this one uh, with Owen, he's going to give you everything he has, the passion, the work ethic, the compete, uh, it is through the roof. I noticed a trend there with these guys. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, we believe in makeup. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, tools and skills uh, are the starting point, but the makeup fruition. Uh, and that's uh, that's where our staff has done a tremendous job of diving in on these players. And, you know, in this year with the pandemic, uh, not being able to see these guys in person and focus on the physical side of it, I think our, our guys did an even better job than they usually do of diving into uh, what's behind these guys, what their story is, uh, how they're wired, uh, their history, who's around them, uh, all the things that make them the people they are. Uh, the first oh, seven games in this draft are all college kids uh, before the Padres broke them all to number eight with Hassel. Selected your first college player in the third round, 80th overall, Cole Wilcox, uh, University of Georgia. I guess uh, my uh, limited research on him is it was all happening the other day. Uh, the word that kept coming up was stuff. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I will say he is a big physical horse of a man. Like, I mean, he is durable. Uh, he's got the, the size and strength, the log innings. Um, you know, and, and this is uh, Cole is somebody that we, we had interest in back in high school uh, and tracked him at the University of Georgia for the last two years. Uh, and, you know, he was trending up uh, in a very, very good way. Uh, you know, continued to add strength to his body, control some things with his delivery, made some tweaks. Uh, the strikes came. I mean, you're talking somebody that's anywhere from 92 to 98. Uh, was sinking life to the fastball. Uh, he shows ability to spin a slider. And uh, even dating back to high school, he had really good feel for his changeup. Uh, you know, intelligent kid, competitive kid, uh, smart, uh, made right, and just a very, very good kid. So, uh, or young man, I should say. Uh, but, like, the compete on the mound is uh, exceptional. All right, in the fourth round, another pitcher from another college in another deep south state, uh, Levi Thomas out of Troy. Looked like a little bit of a funky delivery. Yeah, I mean, and, and Levi's been a performer. And, and, you know, you look at his stats, uh, you know, throughout this year, uh, the strikeout to walk ratio is tremendous. I mean, uh, he, he attacks hitters with the bulldog mentality on the mound. Uh, it's a little bit of a crossfire delivery, which adds some deception to his delivery, uh, you know, hiding the ball from the hitters. Uh, he's got some ride to his fastball. And, uh, you know, one of the things about him is like he's an absolute bulldog on the mound. And, you know, you talk to him. He's intelligent. He's passionate. Uh, you know, he like we talk about all, all the time about being wired right. And uh, uh, he is somebody that's wired right that we think has a chance to do some really good things. All right. Obviously, 2020, a weird year for I can't even count the number of reasons. Uh, but as far as baseball goes, one of the main reasons, just five rounds in the draft for the Padres this year. That meant only six selections made, the final of which came at number 138 overall. Jagger Haynes, great name, uh, high school left-handed pitcher from North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, Jagger, uh, you know, he's out of Cerro Gordo, Cerro Gordo North Carolina. Can't, I can't say that fast. Um, you know, but, you know, good projection left-handed pitcher. He's down in that little pocket where Mackenzie Gore's from. Uh, you know, you know, long, loose body, uh, good arm action delivery. Our area scout, Jake Caney, uh, did a tremendous job, uh, you know, identifying him, staying on him uh, throughout the process as long as we could scout. And, you know, from there, like, you know, we start looking at all the different characteristics that he possesses with the, the age, the youth, the body, 
the progression over the past couple of years, uh, you know, the people he's surrounded himself with, the makeup, the intelligence, the passion, uh, you know, it's it's a good loose projection arm uh, that we have a chance, uh, feel has a chance to be really good one day. Well, there you have it. The uh, Padres draft class of 2020, Mark, I know how much hard work and effort uh, goes into this uh, with you and the whole baseball operations department over there. So as always hats off. And, and I feel like I ask you some version of this question every single year. Have, uh, have you guys started on 2021 yet? Oh yeah. We've been down the road on that already. I mean, we've had a lot of time on our hands here lately. So. Uh, it's unbelievable. Well, uh, Hey, congratulations again on uh, getting through this different one, hopefully back to something much closer to normal next year. And uh, thank you for the time and the insight. I know it's been a long few days. Oh, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Padres scouting director, Mark Connor visiting with us uh, in the aftermath. It was actually the immediate aftermath of the draft last week. Uh, if you saw that on Friar Friday, thanks for sticking with it for a few more minutes here. Uh, but you know, different day, different show, different audience and, and want to put that out there. I think Mark does a really great job, uh, obviously at his job, but also breaking things down for us in kind of a, a basic way. Uh, I looked it up by the way, uh, RJ Brady, uh, ja- uh, was a blaze Jordan corner infield type, not a blazer. Uh, could be mm. a great hitter, but he's a, a first third type guy, RJ. I don't know if that fits. That's all right, man. It's, yeah, put him in the lineup, man. Put him in three or four spot with that name Blaze. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> that's a good start. That's all I can say. Every time I hear, uh, you know, breakdowns of kind of the draft, I, you know, my first question that I always want to ask, and maybe this is like, you know, the ghost of, you know, Matt Bush or. Uh, you know, I always just want to be like, what are the chances of us signing this guy? And I, I'm so proud of you, Jesse, because you're an actual adult and a professional for not asking questions like that. Because, you know, obviously the scouting guy is going to be like, well, obviously we think it's a great chance that we're going to sign him or else we wouldn't have drafted him. It's also so, different than it used to be because of the slotting system. You know, there's a right. lot less room there. There's kind of a, a cap on every spot. So, you know, the money is not really an issue for a couple of reasons, the way it once was, uh, that's one reason. The other reason is, look, back in the day, I think in previous ownership groups here, they didn't want to spend the money on on top draft picks. This ownership group, obviously, just look at the major league roster the last couple of years. They've got right, no such right. no qualms. So um, there's a couple of reasons why that's that's not a thing the way it once was. But I certainly understand like the sort of uh, PTSD that many Padre fans have. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's there. It's real. And um, hopefully it's a thing of the past. And I'm excited to see all these guys uh, get in the big league uniform in brown. Remember, it's brown. I know 2020 is trying to take away brown from us, but I'm not going to forget it. And it's going to be here soon, I hope. <laughs> Brady, well, uh, I'll give you a minute to think about this. I don't need an immediate oh boy. answer. As we're talking about the goofy names or the fun names, I should say. It's not nice. Uh, your favorite name in Padre history. Nothing to do with on-field Ooh. Anything, just from a pure first name and or last name situation. You think about that. We'll kick off our KBO sadness report and uh, get everybody caught up on our, our KT whiz. Um, you know, when the Korea baseball organization began their season a couple of months ago at this point, we adopted a team. We said, hey, kind of check in on them each and every day, see how it goes. We did our research. Uh, the whiz are the youngest team in the league in terms of how long they've been a team as an expansion franchise. We thought, hey, these guys are on the precipice of breaking through. They had their best year ever last year, trying to make the postseason for the first time. It has been, Randy, an unmitigated disaster, and that continued uh, this weekend as the Wiz dropped two out of three to the Samsung Lions. They pulled something off. I thought as a pitcher you'd appreciate this, RJ. Uh, in the Sunday game, uh, which they lost, I believe, 12 to nothing, they had 11 hits. They had 11 hits, and they were shut out. That's not easy to do. 
Yeah, I mean, an 11-hit shutout is not easy to do, gentlemen. You know, I can I can raise Dave Fry's 11 at a 10-hit shutout one day, and I'm, I'm, I'm still bewildered how he did that. You know, 11-hit, I can't even imagine that. You know, you 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 got to be your team's got to be a little sideways to get shut out with eleven hits. But seriously, uh, is the whiz and and you know, and I also I want to know the committee that chose the whiz. I don't know who. I, You're looking you know. at it. This idiot right here. It was, it was a one man committee. My hey, fault. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus, but no, I, I take full responsibility. Look, the other the other reason we were so enthusiastic, or we, I keep saying we, it's not we, it's me. Uh, this is all my fault. Uh, is because they have Odris oh, Amer Despagne, who like we all loved when he was a Padre. So it seemed like, well, that's a sign from above. We got to go with uh, the KT Wiz and Odris Amer Despagne. He actually did provide a highlight from this weekend. He's, he's had, for the most part, a very good season. Check out this swing and miss he got over the weekend. I wow. mean, anytime you can get the man to fall down and sit on home plate, you got to feel pretty good about your stuff. Was that strike three, though? Uh, that's a good question. Let me look at the yeah, bottom. It, it looks like two to me. I don't think it was strike three because he didn't tuck his tail between his legs and run to the dugout. So. That's what I mean. Yeah, I think yeah. it's strike two. He may have rolled an ankle, though. That was out. <laughs> good job for OD. I mean, and to uh, to parlay into your previous question, I mean, I feel like Adresimir Despagne is a – that's a heck of a name. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that you just answer the question for me. Because I think I have someone else, and I know that there's probably, uh, you know, we're going to get comments online about some much cooler names. But the first one that came to mind when you asked who I thought the, the coolest name in Padre history, uh, I think is Benito Santiago. Benito Santiago. So, and then that made me think when I say it in that way of Luis Urias, and then I get sad because he's not here anymore. But Adrosomer Despani is also another great name. So we've had a lot of good names. I like Randy Jones. I, like See, I knew you were setting me up to just say no, that no, no, Randy no. was the Andy is a really good one because, as, as everybody knows, he is that great trivia question. There it is. You can spell San Diego Padres with the letters in his name, which is remarkable. Um, interesting but, avatar there for old uh, somebody, the Friars. Somebody's got too much time on their hands. That's all I know. Come on. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very flattering image of Don. You're right. That's yeah, cool. it's really good. It's probably because Mud's taking the 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 boiler stick to his stomach at the time. So it's really <laughs> good. And the gut. Uh, no, by the way, as bad as the Wiz have been, RJ, they are not in last place. Uh, thankfully, uh, because the Hanwha Eagles tied the KBO record, I think on Friday, by losing their 18th consecutive game. Uh, okay. the, the, the worst losing streak in Padre history is 13 games. And these guys tied the KBO record by losing 18 in a row. But then on Saturday, they walked it off in the 10th inning. They got a victory. Uh, they went crazy, as you can imagine. There was a great relief for the Hanwha Eagles, who have already lost a manager, fired entire coaching staff, and also <laughs> sent 10 players en masse uh, down to the minor league. So they after <laughs> 18-game losing streak. Now, the, the kicker here, and the best part about all this is, they, they have now won two consecutive games. That is the longest winning streak in the KBO going into action tonight. So good for the Eagles. Wait, two games is the longest winning streak for the whole league? Right now, yes. There's 10 teams. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, and to come and to do it immediately on the heels of the uh, 18 skid, that is uh, that's no joke. Good for them. They've really turned it around. Yeah, <laughs> there's no stopping the Hanwha Eagles now. How about this statement that the, the team released? Right. This feels a little Ray Kroc to me. Um, obviously, I, I can't read the Korean, uh, but part of it said, despite your loyal and unwavering support, our performance on the field 
has been a disappointment, and we would like to apologize to all Eagles fans. RJ, have you ever been a part of a team uh, where the front office outwardly, publicly apologized for the play on the field? Not since Ray Kroc did it in 74. No. That's it. That was the only time I've heard that, you know. That was the worst we, part we of all time. We, we were that bad, though, that day. I can't argue with Ray. I mean, it was ugly. I was sitting there watching it, man. I wasn't pitching. I wasn't participating, but <laughs> I was on the bench, and it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Ooh, I, my, my favorite one, though, you talk about losing streaks. I remember, I want to say, but then that wasn't 95. It had to be 74. Um, John McNamara is our manager. We, we lost our ninth straight. We were on the road, and we had about another week on the road. It was like an 18 game road trip. And, uh, <laughs> And I just remember that John walked in and, and he said, all right, we got a curfew tonight. It's, uh, he said, it's 2.30 in the morning. He says, anybody that's in before 2.30 in the morning is going to get fined. <laughs> he wanted everybody to stay out, man. You uh, got to do something different because we got to get out of this. And, and actually, I, don't, I don't know if that worked, what happened, but we won the next night. So I thought uh, that's funny. That was crazy. Get out of this funk of getting too much sleep and getting being too well rested. Yeah. Well, hey, there was 15 of us that were just excited, man, because, you know, we were always out anyway. So what the hell? We, you know, that was too much fun. But, and it actually worked. You know, the other day, I think we won four to one or something like that. Played a good ball game. That's funny. Uh, the reverse curfew. Yeah. Perfect. That's Works great. Perfect. Uh, RJ, question for you. Where will you be tomorrow morning? Tomorrow morning, I will be at the Blood Drive. You know, the San Diego Padres, you know, fourth year. Now, during the summer, we we support the uh, the blood bank. And uh, we were going to have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 9 o'clock until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to be out in the uh, the Lexus parking lot, you know, uh, supporting the San Diego Blood Bank. Uh, during the summer, there's definitely a real need for all types of blood. And, and um, you know, the Padres have been great about putting in their fair share and helping promote the San Diego, you know, blood bank. And uh, so tomorrow morning I'll be, I'll definitely be down to support this. And, you know, in full fledged, we can make a difference in a lot of people's lives, you know, here in San Diego, we just support our blood bank. So we're going to start that, uh, you know, like say tomorrow morning on Tuesday, we'll do it Wednesday. We'll do it Thursday. You do need appointments. You got to you know, go to the San Diego blood bank, uh, your website and get an appointment. But uh, hey, if, if you've done this in the past, people, I I want to encourage you to please come out and and, and support the blood bank and, and, and give blood. Yeah, yeah. on all of that with Claudine Van Ganka from the San Diego Blood Bank. As RJ said, this year it's a little bit different, obviously, because everything uh, is a little bit different. She was nice enough to call back into the show uh, just a little while ago and kind of give us all the details, all the information we need uh, for this blood uh, drive that begins tomorrow at Petco. Claudine, thank you for doing this, uh, and thank you for being back here on Padres Social Hour. Another big thing to talk about with the uh, fourth annual Padres Summer Blood Drive coming up tomorrow through Thursday. Uh, First and foremost, let me kind of circle back to something we talked about last time you were on. Where are we at in this community in terms of need and blood donation? 
Yeah, right now there is a great need. Um, and, you know, it's nothing new to have uh, a dip in supplies right as we head towards the summer months. Um, in general, every year, you know, folks are busy making their vacation plans. Schools are out of session, which is a big deal for us because about 20% of the blood we collect um, is at high schools and colleges. So that's, that's always a tough time. But now you add this perfect storm to it, where now we're in a situation where a lot of our blood drive partners partners are not able to host their regular mobile drives for different reasons, work at home uh, practices and, and things like that. So we really are in a situation where we need blood. And that's where timing is perfect for this year's Padres blood drive, which is actually going to be the first time our mobiles have been out since the onset of COVID-19. Oh, glad uh, to be able to be a part of that and, and to be able to help. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different this year. If you could maybe walk us through how, how the event is being run and, and what people need to do to be involved. Sure, sure. So this year we have a new kind of a layout, some new restrictions, some new rules. So this year it's going to be a three-day blood drive. So it's going to kick off tomorrow, which is June 16th, and it's going to go through Thursday the 18th. It's 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And this year the event got moved to the Lexus Premier parking lot, which is on the corner of Park and Imperial. And so we're going to have a few less blood mobiles. Um, but the biggest change really is that appointments are required and they are limited. We can only see a limited number of people each day. That's to keep staff and donors safe, uh, make sure we don't have too many people gathering at any one given time. And appointments are mandatory. Um, you can make an appointment on the same day. So even if you're not really sure yet, if you can make it, you know, tomorrow, um, you know, if it's tomorrow and you decide, hey, you know what, I can go down there in a couple of hours on my lunch break, you're welcome to, to make an appointment. But that's really some of the biggest changes this year. SanDiegoBloodBank.org is the website uh, to get all of that information. Again, the Padres Summer Blood Drive uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, as you heard at Petco Park, a little bit different this year for all the obvious reasons. Um, I always like to ask this question when we talk about this kind of thing, maybe just for someone who doesn't know, why is this so important? Oh my goodness. Well, there is no substitute for blood. So no matter how skilled your physician is, no matter how state of the art the equipment is, if a patient needs blood and it's not there, there's just not going to be a positive outcome. And one blood donation can save up to three lives. And that's because there's different components in a unit of blood. There's red cells, there are platelets, and there's plasma. And so it's an invaluable gift and it costs nothing to donate and it takes a short amount of time. It's the best gift you can give someone. Again, San SanDiegoBloodBank.org for the information. As you heard, appointments are required uh, tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday. Also, I'm sure a couple of people are wondering, Claudine, what are some of the extra precautions uh, being taken this year? A lot of us trying not to leave the house, that sort of thing for good cause, certainly willing to, but just to ensure everybody's as safe as possible. Sure, sure. Well, just, you know, to put everybody's mind at rest, we have been deemed an essential business. We're an essential community service. So we are, you know, adhering to all the community guidelines. We are practicing social distancing. All of our techs are wearing gloves uh, and wearing masks. And we are also going to be asking all donors to be wearing face coverings as well. We're sanitizing the beds between every donor. We're actually sanitizing the pens and the clipboards that you use. Um, and so all safety precautions will Will be in place. There probably will be no safer place to be. Uh, you actually can't even get on a blood mobile until you get your temperature taken too. So we're all the safety measures are in place. 
All right, wonderful to hear all that. And again, people can get the information and uh, sign up, San Diego Blood Bank. Dot org tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, down in the Lexus lot at Petco Park. Claudine, thank you again for coming on. Good to see you. And uh, good you. luck with the event this week. Hope it's very, very fruitful. Thank you so much. All right. That is Claudine Van Gogh from the San Diego Blood Bank. Hope uh, everybody who's able uh, to get out there has the opportunity to do so. And again, hey, bonus tomorrow, Randy will be there. Uh, RJ and Brady. I'm, hey, I'll be hanging out in the morning, man. I'm going to definitely be down there and you want to support this and Hey, I'd love to see a few of the fans come down and give a little bit of blood and let's talk. We can talk some baseball. We can't play it, but we can talk it. <laughs> can you can host the venting session, Randy? <laughs> you're you're yeah. a good at venting. Well said, my friend. Well said. So on a uh, on a on a on a personal level, I'd love the idea, uh, obviously, of, of the Padres doing this. I know they picked up this event um, when that coward owner uh, Dean Spano, so the Chargers took the team to L.A. And uh, the Padres picked this up, which was great with Bill Johnston and his team and crew. And I think it's amazing. And I love that the Padres do this. Randy, I love that you're involved in it. Um, you know, I donate blood um, as often as I can. I think there's like 50 days that has to go by um, for, for when you can do it again. And, you know, my uh, this is 15 years ago, but my, my father was uh, diagnosed with the, the, he had the flesh-eating bacteria. Uh, it's called necrotizing fasciitis. And it's got a very, very high mortality rate. And I remember being hooked up to blood um, sitting there in the hospital that would immediately taken and put into my father as he was in surgeries uh, to, you know, heal him. So, you know, blood donor, it's not everyone gets opportunities to be able to have something that real life and like, you know, like literally transporting blood from yourself to your father as he's in surgery. Um to you know stress the importance of giving uh blood but it uh it literally saves saves lives so it's uh really important really special so if you guys can get out there and do that i highly highly recommend it so no thank you for sharing that certainly and again uh go to san diego bloodbank.org for the, all the information you do need an appointment uh, because of social distancing, wanting to make sure there's not too many people around that's why the event is three days uh, this year as opposed to one day uh, tomorrow Wednesday and Thursday down at the Lexus lot at Petco Park. Uh, one of the cool things about the show, you know, we try and uh, do as many uh, comments and, and whatnot. You know, this this is a fair one. You know, we were talking about Despagne and the KT Wiz earlier. Yeah, you, you might be right, 782, but I liked him, you know, even if he wasn't great on the Hill. Uh, but um, somebody <laughs> on Twitter earlier in the day as well, RJ I, and, and Brady, I think you guys both saw this. This was, this is cool stuff, man. Uh, so that's the newspaper uh, he said he found it at a thrift store in Reno. It is the Nevada State Journal. And obviously, as you see, it appears to be the day after Election Day in 1976 because Jimmy Carter has been elected president. Uh, but inside that very same newspaper, Randy Jones named top National League pitcher. How cool is that? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I, I remember those pictures. It was pretty phenomenal, guys. It was uh it was a pretty special day that I'll never forget. Uh, you know that day when they announced that, and I got the phone call. I think that's so cool, Randy, because you know it's one thing for you to see, you know, all the 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 coverage of the the Union Tribune or the Tribune or the San Diego Union, whatever it was called in 1976. But um, it, you probably saw all that stuff, or maybe stuff from like the LA Times, or but you know to have this random paper from the was it is in Nevada. Um, that I'm, I can't imagine this is something, or maybe it was, I don't know, that you've seen before, but to be able to just, you know, be going about your business and then have some, um, 
you know, random fan, ran, I don't know who it was. I'm sorry, I'm not calling you random, but, um, you know, a fan that maybe you don't know personally, Randy, uh, stumble across this in a thrift store and then send it over to you and you get to kind of, you know, relive, um, you know, relive some of this from a, a different perspective that clearly is not your home market. Um, I just think that's so rad. How cool. You know, Brady, one of the great things about, I mean, all the years and when I played in, in what I've been able to collect, uh, what I've collected is people sending me stuff from all over the world, literally. I mean, when we yeah. went in my 14th game and getting an Italian paper or a German paper where they mentioned, you know, I won my 14th or 15th game. And in our Padre fans, Padre fans will collect that kind of things and, and they would send them to me. And I'm just, I've got, and I've got boxes and boxes in there of, of a lot of these accounts from, from different papers all over the world. <clears throat> and I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I can't believe how much I appreciate that. And, and even when I, I can pull a box open and start looking at it, and it might be the same article, but it's in five different countries. And it's just absolutely <laughs> incredible. Uh, so, you know, so they would actually spend the time or, and think about it. They're, you know, number one, I was always proud to represent San Diego in, in, in those years. And I think, you know, one of the greatest things is I think, I think the pottery fans themselves, wherever they might be in the world, were proud of it too. And, and brought the stuff back home to me. And I appreciated that. It was pretty awesome. Too cool. Yeah. Yeah. Too cool. That's, yeah. that's the thing that we'll never have Brady. That's the no, thing. Not so much. To be a big league player. It's, it's as good as it gets. All right. I want to buzz through a few things here before we, uh, we get out of here on this Monday. Obviously we'll be doing the show again tomorrow. Plenty to discuss, I would imagine. Uh, hopefully some better news and a better tone of everything going on tomorrow. We'll see. Um, but, you know, obviously everything is weird in 2020. That's like the understatement of the century, I suppose. Um, but I, I stumbled upon this article. I think it was MLB Trade Rumors the other day. Uh, Gio Gonzalez um, is with the White Sox now. He signed with the White Sox in the offseason. Um, and this is the third time that Gio Gonzalez has been with the White Sox and has yet to pitch in a game for the White Sox. So this might be like the thing that is stopping the universe from moving forward. I don't know. They drafted him like way back when. They they drafted him out of high school uh, in Miami in Hialeah. And so they traded him to Phil's like right after they drafted him for the next year in the Jim Tomey deal. Then he gets traded back to the White Sox in the Freddie Garcia deal. He builds up some prospect credibility in their system, and then they trade him to the A's for Nick Swisher. He broke out with Oakland in 08 after making his major league debut since, of course, he's been with Washington and Milwaukee. But, like, that's nuts. Like, three separate times he's been a part of the White Sox, and he has yet to pitch a game for the White Sox. Brady, stupid stuff like that is what I miss the most right now. I know. Isn't it so? I, I loved even – look at those jerseys, man. Gosh, how gorgeous are those. Um, I love I love seeing that they dropped a rom-com in the title. That's great, first of all. <laughs> And so I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's the first person you think about for playing with a club in uh, three different times? Can you think of anybody? Uh, but, not a great one. What do you got? Well, Mark Sweeney. So Sweeney yeah. did. Now, now he actually played for the team all yes. three times. So that's obviously <laughs> the, the major difference here. But I, you know, that's who I think. Because I mean, it's kind of crazy to play with one team three different times. And I don't. How many times did Ricky end up on the A's? Was that two times or three times? Yep. I don't know. Um, my first thought was Ricky, man. Yeah, yeah I point. didn't. I, I don't remember how many times he ended up with him. I know he. I mean, he was on the Padres multiple times, so I know he was on the A's multiple times. Yeah. But uh, pretty incredible to be in an organization and literally not throw a pitch for them. That's maybe 2020, 2020. Let's leave it that. Not twenty twenty one. Maybe twenty twenty is the year. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, next one's for RJ. We got a couple of birthdays uh, to put out there. One of them, I mean, part of me thinks it's funny, but that's because I have a sick sense of humor. It's it's Tony Clark's birthday. Uh, so happy uh, 48th <laughs> to Tony Clark, who's probably not celebrating much uh, tonight as he's dealing with everything as head of the Players Association. Uh, went to high school, grew up in El Cajon, played basketball at San Diego State. I had a stint with the Padres, so obviously a, a hometown guy now. Uh, trying his best uh, with the uh, with the players association and, and dealing with uh, obviously a, a big big mess. So uh, I, I don't I guess you know wish him a happy birthday. I just don't know how happy yeah. it is six foot eight switch hitter uh, Tony Clark. Another great birthday though in terms of another great baseball man, uh, Dusty Baker. Mm. And again, he hasn't managed a game with the Astros, even though you know it's like we're sitting here in June. The way Jace Tingler is yet to manage a game uh, in the big leagues. I tell you what, though, RJ, I mean, I don't know that there is a baseball man more respected out there than Dusty Baker. And I I thought one of the most fascinating storylines this year was going to be him. Angel, by the way, uh, was going to be him at the helm of the Astros with the Astros coming off everything they were coming off of. You know, there's definitely some challenges in this whole scenario. They're not going to go away sooner or later. They're going to be back and they have to be addressed. But. You know, I just remember competing against, you know, Dusty all those years, especially with the Dodgers and uh, you know, great, great competitor. Just loved him, real professional. And as a manager, you know, what we'd seen him accomplish and do. Uh, it just, he's, he's a, he's a positive for baseball guys. And, you know, he's got his hands full in Houston. There's no doubt. He knew that when he put that jersey on right there, that wasn't going to be an easy, easy stance. So uh, he's still got that in front of him and it's got to be addressed sooner or later. So yeah, I, I think Dusty. I mean, he, what a great guy for baseball that Dusty is, and I, I think it's um the first thing I think about, which is crazy to say because I know he's had this like you know super long playing career, uh, equally long probably coaching career, and the first thing that I think of though is his uh, little son is a bat boy in that uh, Giants World Series where he almost <laughs> got taken out at the plate when they had to come in and swoop him up, and um, that's my first thought when I see him. Randy, did you ever play with uh, Dusty in one of those all-star games in the mid-70s? You know, I don't know about – I don't remember Dusty being on the team in 75 and 76, to be honest with you. Because I know there were a lot of Dodgers, like, you know, even like Rick Roden and uh, Garvey and Ron Say, like they had that long – Bill Russell, yeah. that infield. You know, they, I knew they, those they were They were there, mm-hmm. but I don't remember Dusty making the team, you know, those two years. that no, D- know, Dusty's all-star appearances were uh, 81 and 82. Uh, all, I, all I know is that I, I remember, like, I, I pitched against the Dodgers five or six times a year, and I, I saw plenty of times Dusty from 60 feet, six inches. I know that. <laughs> you, know? Well, you mentioned his friend Aaron in the 2 World Series against the Angels. Uh, he was draft eligible last week. He plays at Cal. Uh, I saw he's returning to school, but yeah, that's the reaction I was going for. <laughs> he's so old, uh, Randy. In that clip, I, when 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 we were when we saw that that old article and we and uh, Cole was throwing some, I think I don't know if that was a '76 All Star game, um, but you were throwing to Johnny Bench, right? Um, what did you? Was there an obviously Johnny Bench, like the, one of the most legendary catchers to ever play baseball? Was there a noticeable this? I don't remember who the catcher was. For the Padres in '76, yeah, well, Freddie Kinder was typically my catcher. You so know, and, uh, and what and was the, the difference throwing to throwing to Johnny? Like, was it any like I know it's for one game, but did you notice any difference? Oh yeah, it was hilarious. He kept calling curveballs because I I I throw Johnny Bench a lot of curveballs, and he's about almost the, the only player I threw curveballs to. 
And, and Johnny, Johnny must have called like four curveballs the first two innings, you know. And I You're finally like, well, had to tell him, stinker? I, yeah. And finally, I had to tell him, you know, after the second inning, we were sitting on the bench, and I went, Johnny, I said, I got to tell you this. I don't want to, but I said, you keep calling this curveball. The only person I call, I throw curveballs to is you. you know? <laughs> so would you quit calling the damn thing, you know? And he started cracking up because I didn't know that. And I said, you weren't supposed to. I didn't want to tell you right now either. You know, but I thought it was hilarious. I couldn't believe how many times, you know. And so finally the third inning was pretty normal. He just called sinker ball slider. I was having a lot of fun. That was pretty cool. I feel like I'm used to this. The other one. I just loved it. Yeah. The other one, Brady, you'll love in that first one, 75, when Randy closes it out. See, Gary Carter, for whatever weird all-star situation, ends up in left field, and he's wearing his catcher's helmet playing left field to catch the final out of the game. (laughs) Amazing. I did not know that. That is so good. Yeah. I yeah. love. I mean, there's there's a lot and of old, if, you know, all star game wrong hat, same uniform. Yeah. That's great. If you want to get short too, because I I played by Legion Ball and everything in California when I was a kid. Gordon Carter, Gary's older brother, was on my team, and Gary Carter was our bat boy. Wow! And no when way. I played when I played American Legion, he was in Little League. He was, of course, he was six four playing Little League. It was ridiculous, but you know, he he was just a big boy. You know, but he was our bat boy for two summers. It was just awesome. Next thing I know, you know, he's catching the last out of the night, you know, of, of the 75 All-Star game, and I'm on the mound. I couldn't believe it. He ran in and handed me the baseball, and I just, we, we both laughed pretty hard. Pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Incredible. Uh, a lot of people watched, I'm sure, in our audience, the uh, ESPN 30 for 30 yesterday on the summer of 98. Uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Darren Ravel had a great tweet this morning. Uh, about the 70th home run ball. Uh, and, you know, if you're into collectibles, this is a great one. Phil Ozerski, a fan making $30,000 a year, caught Mac's 70th homer. Uh, the trade the Cardinals asked for was the ball for a signed bat, a ball, and a jersey. Ozerski says he also wanted to meet McGuire. McGuire said no. Ozerski backed out three months later. He sold the ball for over $3 million. He should send a Christmas card every year to Mark McGuire saying, hey, not wanting to come out and shake my hand that night. <laughs> that's bananas i i at the beginning of this documentary obviously they talked to the guy who bought that ball for that 3.05 million dollars but i did not know the backstory of obviously <laughs> the oh mcguire says no and so we're not going to do it i don't this is a i don't know what this clip that's max snagging a foul ball is what that is oh my gosh you're right <laughs> how funny how boy mac came down from irvine to watch a little world series baseball made a play I do not remember this at all. How funny. Yeah, what a what a what a heck of a run those guys had. Man. He had a better glove, by the way, than, than people remember. I'm gonna tell a story now that I've never felt comfortable telling because it was one of those things that happens on the team plane. We don't normally share those stories. Um, when Mac was the bench coach for the Padres, this is a couple of years ago. We were on a trip coming back, and where we sat on that plane, the announcers we were kind of right behind the coaches. Um, so like you kind of saw into the coaches area and you chat with them sometimes and on MLB network or whatever that night, they were replaying one of the games in the 88 world series, uh, which of course his A's were victorious uh, or no, it must've been 89 when they beat the giants, not 88 when they lost the Dodgers. So it was the, the earthquake world series and McGuire makes a tremendous defensive play in that game at first base, like a diving stop all at it, like a critical moment 
in one of those games. And so, like, most people on the plane are watching this. We're all baseball dorks, obviously. So you kind of look around the cabin, and everybody's screens, you know, are lit up to this game. And I'm literally, like, right across the aisle from McGuire, and I'm watching him watch this game, which is, like, kind of worldly and bizarre to begin with. But anyway, in the game, he makes the great diving play. And Max, like, a pretty stoic guy, like he was as a coach. He's just kind of sitting there like this. And then all of a sudden, he makes that play. And he just, like, fist pumps sitting in his seat at the airplane. (laughs) To himself. And, yeah, for himself. And everybody started cheering. It was like a really cool, funny moment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was great. That was uh, awesome. But, yeah, showing off the hands there uh, at the World Series. All right. Uh, speaking of old games, we got uh, Padres Classics coming up tonight on Fox Sports San Diego less than a half an hour from now. Uh, going back to last year, early last year, uh, Padres and the Cardinals – as Fernando Tatis Jr., speaking of uh, Mark McGuire, goes back to where Mac and uh, Fernando Tatis Sr. were teammates. And uh, a nice day for Fernando. I believe this was the home opener. I think it was my birthday, which is why I really remember it. And uh, the game had been delayed a day because of rain. And the Padres beat the Cardinals in the home opener. And looking at the St. Louis papers the next morning, you would have thought uh, they had just been like had a 10 game losing streak. They were apoplectic in St. Louis about losing the home opener uh, to the Padres, but that's exactly what happened. And you can relive that baby coming up less than a half an hour tonight on Fox sports, San Diego. Uh, We were doing birthdays, by the way. Uh, We mentioned Tony Clark. We mentioned Dusty Baker. Happy 71st to him. Also happy birthday to Padres Geekster. Geekster. Probably our most uh, loyal watcher and tweeter. So happy birthday, Geekster. Geekster. Chris Garcia and Geekster. That's right. Birthday today. So nice. Thank you very much. Happy like birthday, that. guys. Um, well, hey, thank you both. We appreciate this, RJ. Yeah, sure. And, uh, hopefully, some good news soon. How about that? Yeah, definitely. Let's just get this head in the right direction, gentlemen. Hopefully, by next Monday, let's have something positive to talk about. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. I would really like that. Positivity. That would be great. <laughs> Hey, Brady. Randy, go uh, go go put some smiles on some faces while they're giving some blood out there tomorrow. Definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing a few people. I've been out in a while, man. Hey, how about the dress? I'm about to go find my cowboy boots, guys. I haven't had them on in a couple The ostrich of ones? Yeah. Oh, good. Go get them. I'd hate to the see you Diego blood bank. Org for your opportunity to see Randy's <laughs> ostrich boots. They are, I assure you, worth the price of admission that'll do it uh, for today back tomorrow and again we'll let you know anything changes in the world of baseball uh hopefully some positive news to pass along we'll be here either way uh tomorrow night at 5 30 have a good one everybody